Father, you reign. You reign over every situation. You reign over area, every area of our lives. And so, Father, tonight we can lift our hands to you and say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you for being God in our lives. We know that God, by you being in our lives, and that means that everything works together for you, Father. So, so, Father, we lift our hands to say thank you. And, Father, as we continue tonight, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that your words come forth. Lord, you speak to us what you want us to hear, Lord. And as those words come forth, let it get buried into the soil of our hearts to bear fruit into your kingdom. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. Can we just thank the worship team? Did they do a great job tonight? I had to sing. I haven't sang all day today. So, you know, this is my one time in the morning to sing. I have special instructions uh, when I came up here, uh, and I won't say who they're from, but they'll know, um, for me to take my time. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of agreement in that, right? <laughs> there was like, there was the two or three agree on that one. All right. So, so then let's do this. Let's just hop right in. I want you to go to Romans uh, chapter eight. And I'm going to ask this. I ask this. Uh, and if you're a first year student, you're probably, you're, you're probably tired of me asking you this question, but I'm going to ask how many saved people do we have in here? Raise your hand if you're saved. You realize that's a trick question by all ministers, right? They're just trying to see who the people that should raise their hand at the end of the sermon. But if you're saved in here, come on, just wave at me. I just want to, I want to see who you are. I want to see, because, because, uh, you know, not that if you're not saved in here, we're going to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus. But man, what I have to say is for you people who know the Lord and how many of you know the Lord, right? And we're growing in that every day, right? It's, it's something that we're growing in. And so as we go to Romans uh, chapter 8, and it's crazy that we're going to get up here and we're going to take three scriptures of Roman and try to get out of here at a decent time. But, but we're going we're gonna to make an attempt of it, right? And so I want you to go to Romans chapter 8. And I want to go to verse 26. Verse 26. And I'm going to read through the whole thing. And then we're going to go back. It says, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know how we should pray as we ought, as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. I want, to, I want to back up to deal with the very first sentence in this, in this statement. It says that the Spirit is there to help us with our weakness. So, so can, I, can I just, can I, can I say this? Can I give you an opportunity to look at the person next to you and say, you got weakness? Man, so wait, 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 wait. I'm just looking. Some of you have been looking to say that all day, right? You know, like, man, I've been trying to find a way to tell that person that all day. So the, the reality of it is, is all of us, whether you realize it or not, we're humans in this room, right? And so guess what that means? That means we're fallible. 
which means that it's somewhere along the line, we have weaknesses. Man, that's a, you know, nobody's running around the room on that one, right? So the, the idea is that if we have weaknesses, the, the, the wonderful thing is that this, this scripture tells me is that I'm not alone on my weakness. So, so, so often in Christianity, we try to do this thing to where we, we, we treat Christianity like it's levels of a video game. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm going to achieve, I'm going to strive at this level, and then I'm going to achieve to this next level. And when I get to this next level, after I've conquered all my weaknesses here, then I'll be able to move to the next glory. Like the, the idea of going from glory to glory is like levels in a video game. But in reality, glory to glory is understanding really who God is. And, and, and the more that I have a true understanding of who God is, then I'll realize the, 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 the imperfections that happen within my humanity. And then instead of me working it out myself, because that's what we try to do, right? Our, our goal is sometimes we try to fix it ourselves. Let me fix my weakness before I go to God. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to fix this. I'm going to change this. I'm going to get this right. And then I'm going to go to God. And then we're going to talk about the next level that I'm going to. And then what it says here is that the spirit is there to help me with my weaknesses. And if you actually go to the King James, it uses the word infirmities. And I love, I love the, the correlation between those two words, the correlation between those two words, because sometimes your sickness can be your weakness. There, 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 there are so, there's so often that where people will lean on their sickness and, and feel, I can't do this because I have this ailment. I can't do this because I, I can't do these things. And so therefore their sickness becomes their weakness. Man, if I could, man, if I could do this, if I was like I was a few years ago, man, I'd be able to do this thing for God. And it's a weakness, but the spirit is there to help us with our weakness. Amen. And so then the next side of that, which is the second half of the scripture, which I love, it says, for, for we do not know what we should pray, pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. So, so I want you to walk this out because I'm, I'm going to kind of be personal with you today. All right. Kind of be personal with you tonight. I want you to, you know, the, you know, a lot, a lot of times we'll come in and we want you to think grand, but I want you to think about you tonight. Can you think about you tonight? That's what I want you to do. And so, and so in, in thinking about you tonight, this is what I want you to think. I want you to determine that how many times have you determined that in your prayer, when you come to God, you're praying through your weakness instead of through his strength. Let me give you an example. Can I give you an example? Because you're like, what are you saying? And, and if this is you, I'm not talking about you. All right. But, you know, sometimes people see being single as a weakness. And so therefore, wait, I was like, whew, you can hear the hush come over the crowd. All right. It's, but, but it's not. But there are times where people see it as a weakness. So therefore, in my prayer, when I'm praying to God about my weakness, I am praying out of my weakness instead of in the spirit. It says here that the spirit is making groanings, is, 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 is helping me with my weakness, and is actually praying for me in the spirit according to what I need. 
So therefore, so you got to follow me here. Follow me. I know I'm, I'm, I may be jumping in deep waters right away, but I want you to walk this out with me. So what, what does that mean? That means that sometimes when I go and I pray with my, within my understanding about a particular situation that has to do with me, sometimes I pray that out within my weakness. If I'm an insecure person, then I'm praying, God, help me with this insecurity. And I might be praying in English, in my understanding, through my insecurity. Why? And so, and so it's, it's evident that here that when I'm wrapped up within my weakness, I may not be praying the way I should be praying, which is the reason why we pray in the Spirit. So, so let me give you a biblical example. So, you know, the disciples, they followed Jesus. They were with Jesus all the time. They were with Jesus three years. They heard his, they heard his message. They, they, they heard what he said. They, they heard him teach. They understood like, oh yeah, the kingdom of God is coming. And so now it's, it's just before the time that the, the, the guards are coming to grab Jesus and take him away. And Jesus is feeling the heaviness of it, right? And so he's feeling the heaviness of it. And so he's like, come on, guys, let's go to the garden and let's pray. Now, in their understanding, first of all, they just had a big meal. You know, how many of you know that a nap is good after a big meal? Amen. I don't know about you, but I take naps. Well, I don't have a four-year-old, so I don't take a lot of naps. But, you know, a nap after a good meal. So they were a little tired. They just had a big meal. But their understanding of the situation when they went into the garden with what they understood and how they understood the situation, it didn't seem severe enough for them to press in and to pray. They, th- their lack of knowledge was their weakness. So therefore, at that moment, here they are, they're praying and they're sleeping while Jesus is praying. Why? Because they didn't have the lack of knowledge. Guess what else that they didn't have that we do? The Holy Spirit. And so at that moment, if they would have had the Holy Spirit, well, they would have been able to shift over into the Holy Spirit and let the Spirit lead their prayer and not get caught up in the weakness of a big full belly and a late night that makes you want to go to sleep. They would have been able to hop into the spirit and then by that way, find, find that right way to pray, to pray for what? Not to pray that Jesus is saved because we actually need the the bigger picture of what God was doing was we needed the suffering that Jesus was going to do that day. We needed him to die on the cross that day. The bigger plan for God meant that what Jesus was going to go through, he was going to have to go through it. So therefore my prayer is not God, please deliver him from this, but God give him the strength to make it through. And so that, that to understand how to pray within the spirit helps us to pray outside of the weakness, outside of the place where we are. And then it goes to the next scripture. And I love this next part of the scripture. It says, now he who searches the heart. How many of you know that God knows what's in your heart? Now, come on, just take a moment. I don't want to take a moment there. I may not know what's in your heart. I may not have an idea what's in your heart. But God knows. He knows what's in your heart. In fact, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but he's searching, he's looking, he's seeking. He's looking for the right hearts, the hearts of the worshipers that he could get in and say, hey, wait a minute, you got a heart of worshiper. Yeah, 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 I could give you this job. He's seeking the hearts. It says he who searches the heart, 
knows what the mind of the spirit is because why he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When I, when I read this yesterday, I read this again in my kitchen and I was like, wow. And why was I happy? I was happy. The reason why I was happy because that meant that the intercession that that's happening on my behalf, he's not praying about my weakness. He's praying about the will of God in my life. Come on, you got to understand that. So often, and this is the reason why, where we get lost in our prayer. We get lost in our prayer because we're, we're praying, we're wrapping our weakness up in our prayer time. And when, when the intercession is going for us and when we step over into the spirit, we'll actually stop praying for our weakness and we'll start to pray for the will of God. And so the moment of me stepping into the spirit stops me then again from trying to figure this whole thing out because God, guess what? He's got perfectly laid plans already made for you. And when I say they're perfect, they're perfect. So then what do I do? And I remember, I remember all the time, and if you, if you were here in prayer school, you understand what I'm talking about, where we would spend time praying out the plan of God for our lives. And that's what the scripture is talking about. This scripture is talking about us getting to a place to where we're in the spirit. I am now praying out the plan of God. And when we talk about the will of God, you know, we always think about the will of God in this, you know, this big, you know, how many, how many of you weren't originally from Oklahoma? Raise your hand if you weren't originally from Oklahoma. That means God brought you here. He brought you here on purpose. That's kind of cruel, isn't it? So that means that there was a purpose. There was a will of God. And so often when we talk about the will of God and we think about the will of God, we think about the will of God as, as it's wrapped up into this big ultimate purpose of what does God have for me to do? And yet, and if you're a first year student, you know, I say this to you all the time. There's a will of God for us every day. Sometimes the will of God that you're praying out, and this is in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where it talks about the, sanct- the will of God is the sanctification of your vessel. <laughs> yep, those one of those quiet moments, right? But how's Bill Ray saying, your brother can't get an amen talking like this, right? So, so the, the will of God, the will of God, and it says this. This is what it says. You can go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, verse 4. You will see that it says that the will of God is the sanctification of your vessel. That sometimes when you're praying out the will of God, you're just praying out living right. Because that's the will of God. That's the will of God. That you take this vessel and you live a sanctified life. So that it's not always the big move to Oklahoma or away from Oklahoma. But sometimes it's just how you live every day. And when you can learn how to follow God and how you live every day, then it matters. I want you to do this. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I went over to verse 9, and I'm actually going to read this 
out of the NLT. And I, and I, I love this scripture because this is a scripture where, where Paul is talking about the thorn. He's like, I've got this thorn. I've got this, this thorn in the flesh, this thing that keeps, that keeps bothering me, this thing that keeps. And, and again, there's always this big question among Christians. What is the thorn? No matter whatever it is, this is what, as he gets further talking, he gets to verse nine and this is what he says. He says, but, and this is God speaking, my grace and is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am, I am glad to, uh, to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So then in the moment when I begin to get into this place to pray out, let God pray out the plan and the will of God that he has for me in my life. Then all of a sudden I can get out of the place where I'm living my life according to how weak I, I am. Come on, because we can say that, right? I know we're, we're word of faith people and we don't want to talk about our weakness, right? Because that ain't faith, right? But the, the reality of it is, is that when I go to God in the spirit, I'm actually praying myself away from my weakness. Man, that becomes so important. Why is that important? That's important because as we get into this end times, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but as we get in the end times, guess what you are? You are a representation of the kingdom of God. So what does that mean? That means that, this is really cool. So what that means is, is that, that as a representation of the kingdom of God, I get a chance to show people that I'm not perfect. Come on, you got to hear what I'm saying right now. So as a representation of the kingdom of God, I get a chance to show people I'm not perfect. Why do I, I love, I love the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament because it's full of imperfect people who God uses all the time. I mean, the man after God's own heart, slept with a woman after he was peep, had a peep show and killed her husband. And God still called him a man after his own heart. That's a little bit of weakness right there, right? And so therefore what God has given us is the example that our weakness doesn't stop us from being powerful, that our weakness doesn't stop us from being effective, that our weakness doesn't stop us from having an impact on the world that we're in. So then therefore, what, is, what, what do I need to do? I need to change my focus. And when we get to focus, that's when we get to verse 28. Because verse 28 is really a scripture more about what you're focused on, more so than what you're not focused on. Verse 28, verse 28, and this is back in Romans chapter eight, verse 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So this scripture, this scripture within itself has a, has a, has a place where it's telling us and it's teaching us how to focus. Let's work on the, the, let's talk about the working things together. I love that part because there are three things that I think that helps us with. It helps us stay focused. Guess what you need if you're going to believe that God is working all things together? You're going to need faith. 
I love it. Pastor Craig talked about faith this morning. In order to believe that when you're looking at a situation, in order to believe that when you're reading the news report, in order to believe that when, you, when your relatives call and tell you this and that and these things are happening, in order for you to believe that all things work together for good, guess what you need? You need faith. And if I could focus on the idea of those things working together for good, then that puts me in a place where I'm focused in a level of faith and in an area of faith, as opposed to focusing on how bad the things are. That at the level of faith, that, that when I believe that God is, man, he's, work, he's working this out, man. man you, don't, you, don't, you see right there, there's this big pile of bills, and then there's this one thing, and it's called a bank statement. And the bills and the bank statement aren't the same. But wait a minute, God can work it all out. If he can work it all out, then guess what I'm doing? Now I'm putting my faith in what God is going to do to work it out as opposed to putting my faith in this pile of bills that are sitting here. I love Pastor Craig. He used this this morning, so I'm going to use it again. It's Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Can I give you some examples of the things that when you looked at them on the surface, it didn't look good? And I'll go with, with the example that I gave you earlier. <laughs> when the disciples finally woke up, they were woke up by, what were they awakened by? They were awakened by Roman soldiers coming to take Jesus away. That didn't look good. On the surface, that didn't look good. Eventually, he was beaten and whipped. Well, that didn't look good. Eventually, he was, <laughs> he was put on the cross. Guess what? In the natural, if I'm going by what I see, man, that doesn't look good. But what do we know about the plan of God? Every one of those things happened, had a thing that was going to work out for good in that situation. Man, you're the children of Israel. You finally got free. And now you're getting away. And guess who's coming? Pharaoh's army's coming. Guess what? It doesn't look good. According to what it looks like, man, it doesn't look good. It looks like we're about to go back to Egypt. But God knows how to work it out for good. David, David is, is a little guy, never fought anybody in his life. He's only fought animals. And now he's got this really big nine foot guy standing in front of him. And if you're standing on the Israel side and you're watching that happen, you're like, man, <laughs> that doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. If I go by the sight of how it looks, there are times where the, the sight of it, the actual visual of what I'm looking at, doesn't look good. But faith tells me that it will all be working out for good. Faith tells me that if in faith, I will know that eventually what I'm seeing is not the end result of what's going to happen. Faith, it gives me a vision, a vision of faith. The next thing that it gives me a vision of is my thought life. Ooh, the thought life, yeah. Then when I can think about things working out together for good, well, that, that should change how I think, right? What does it say in Philippians 4, 8? It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things 
are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. How many of you know you meditate on something every day? Whether you realize it or not, there's a place of your meditation. You meditate on something every day. There's a wonderful list here that tells you that you can meditate. If you're meditating on your weakness, that's not a good thing to meditate on. If you're meditating on your trial and your tribulation, that's not a great thing to, to meditate on. But if you can meditate on whatever it is working out for its good, well, then that changes the, the level of meditation that I have. Because now when I'm thinking about the situation, I'm not thinking about how bad it is. I'm thinking that way, well, God's going to turn it around. And I'm changing my thought life. I'm changing how I'm thinking. I'm changing what I'm thinking about. I'm changing the way I'm thinking about it. To know that God has a plan. God has a purpose. God can turn this thing around. So when I'm thinking about God working things together, then that means that changes my thought life. And this is the last thing. And, and, and this, is, this is one of my favorite. It changes my contentment. So there's a level of contentment that we have. There's a level of contentment. If you go to Hebrews 13, 5, it says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such, such things you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you and never forsake you. So you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. And then I, laugh, I like this last line because we focus on this more than we focus on God. It says, what can man do to me? There's so often we get caught in this, this man, man-made focus where we're focusing on the idea of what man can do. You know, you, you go home and you, you, turn on, you turn on the news report and they're telling you all what man is doing, right? They've got what's there. They're giving you the news on man. And guess what? God has news too. They're giving you the way that man has. And guess what God has? He actually has a plan that, that supersedes anything that that man is doing. That whatever it is, you know, you know, you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a report and he tells you this report and this is what's happening. This thing and those things is what's happening in your body. Well, guess what? God has something different that he can say about that. So then guess what? Instead of me being anxious, if we go back to Philippians, it tells us even earlier, it tells us be anxious for nothing, to, to, to not be anxious. So I don't have to worry about being anxious, but guess what? I can be content because I know where my help comes from. I can relax because I know where my help comes from. And so in the place where, where, where God is, is telling me that he's working together all things, he's working all things together for good, well, then there I can, I can step out in faith, I can change my thought life, and I can find a level of contentment. And in those things, man, I could just settle in and know, okay, it, it doesn't look good, right? <laughs> but that's all right, because God is God. It doesn't look like it's going to make, but that's okay. Because God's got it. So then what should I be focusing on? And I love the second half because we look at the second half of the scripture and we see these qualifiers. And it says that, that he works all things together for good for those. And there are two qualifiers here. And the first qualifier is those who love God 
and those who are called according to his purpose. So let me say this first, because I think this is important to say this. I don't want to get, get lost in the fact that God doesn't work things out for you, even if you're not loving him. Because how many of you know we're here and we weren't loving him and he still worked it out for us and that's why we're here, right? Come on, am I the only one, right? Like that's the, he did it, he worked it out, so that's why I'm here. But the reason why I asked you who's Christians in here, because this scripture, these sections, these, these three scriptures that we're reading together are, are given the scriptures to believers. And for us as believers, when you, when you make the description of those who love God and call according to his purpose, well, that seems to come together and it brings out one word. <laughs> it's called a Christian. <laughs> That's what that word is. That if I'm a Christian, guess what I should be doing automatically? Well, I should be loving God. Guess what else should I should be doing? I should be doing his purpose. And so therefore, if you're a Christian, if you waved your hand in here and said, yes, I'm saved, then this automatically makes you qualified for things to work out together for good for you. So then guess what you get a chance to do? You get a chance to change how you look at your situations. You get a chance to change how you, how you react to the things that are coming. You get a chance to, 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 to look differently at things then you saw them in your human eye or in your weakness. Because with the spirit of God, you can see it differently. So then what is that those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose, that should be my focus. And why does that change my focus? Where does that put me? Well, see, if you go to talk about loving God, and I love, I love these scriptures. I'm going to lead, read these scriptures, and I, I read these all the time. But I'm going to read them again because you can never get enough of the same scripture, right? I want to go to Matthew chapter 22. And I want to go to verse 36. And we're talking about, what are we talking about? We're talking about loving God, right? We're, we're talking about what does it mean to love God? And at verse 36, and, and I'm reading this out of the NLT. It says, teacher, this is someone talking to Jesus. It says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the laws of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I love, I love this, this reply because, and if you go back and you look at the scripture, you can see they were trying to trick, they were trying to trick Jesus. They were trying to make him pick, you know, pick one. And then when he picked one, they were going to say, well, then you didn't pick this one. That's a bad thing. And what he did is he gave them, he gave them the perfect answer. He gave them the answer that wrapped up every commandment that they ever knew. And, and that's, still, that's still how we love him today. For us. What? With all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. And then I love it because when you go to 1 John 4, we used to sing it, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. It tells you, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Why? For God is love. So then that means that if, and this is what's so important about my love walk, right? It's so important that, that if I'm going to love God with all my heart, and all my soul and all my mind, then that means I got to love my neighbor too. 
<laughs> and for some of you, that's like literally your neighbor, right? But I, I, have to, I have to love. That means I have to love. That one person that seems to be coming at me all the time, man, if I could just give them the words and I could say to them what I want to say. Or I could just love them and prove out my love walk, my heart, my soul, my mind, my love walk with God. Woo! That's, that's, and when you get to John chapter four, and it says that the time is coming and now is the time where he's looking for true worshipers to worship in spirit and truth. That's the kind of people he's looking for. He's looking for the people who are willing to love no matter what. So therefore I shouldn't be focusing necessarily on my problem. I should be focusing on my love walk. And it's amazing. Have you ever been in a situation that while you're focusing on something and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm going to go ahead and say this now. There's ever been a time where you're focusing on something else and then something else you've been working on, man, all of a sudden it just works itself out. But, but how much longer does it take when you're looking at it? <laughs> Come on, hurry up. And you're wanting it to, you know, you're wanting it to hurry. Come on, I need you to, you know, need you to hurry. But, but you know, that's, you know, that's why the, the good cooks know how to do two things at once, right? You're going to put this thing over here and this thing is going to be work, working and percolating over here. And I'm going to come over here and do this. And as soon as I get done with this, this is ready. And God is cooking in our lives all the time. But it's horrible that when something's in the oven and you just stand there and you just look at it the whole time. I think it's getting there. It doesn't make it go any faster, does it? But when I'm loving on God, when I'm loving God by loving people, guess what? Then that takes my focus off of whatever it is that's happening around me that I need to work together for good. Now, instead of me focusing on that, I'm now focusing on loving God. And then this is the powerful thing that when you focus on loving God, then you get wrapped up into the second half of that scripture, which is those who are called according to his purpose. Can I tell you that we all, if you raised your hand and you said, I'm a Christian in here, guess what? You have a purpose. We have a purpose. There's this, there's this idea, and, I, and I'm going to say this is a slight rabbit trail, but I'll, I'll make it fit if you, if you hang with me. That, that, that there's this, 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 this slight idea that we're waiting for, that we as individuals are waiting for this next revival to come so that we can find out where it is and that we can hop in on it and then say, well, I was there early, right? I was there at the beginning. And, and what God is doing is he's waiting for you to start the revival within yourself, that's what he's waiting for. He's, the revival train that he's wanting you to hop in on is the one that you start within your own life. And that's the one where you reach out and you touch people and you do what it says here in these scriptures right here. And I'm going to read these really quickly. I'm going to read Acts chapter one, verse eight. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then I'm going to read this next one. And this is Mark 
Mark chapter 16, verse, verse 15, what does it tell you? It tells you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But this is the one I love, and this is Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. And it says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things which I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have a purpose. What we've gotten lost in, what we've gotten lost in as Christians, we've gotten lost in what our purpose is. And we focus so much. And this is the reason why I wanted you to go individual today, because this is what we focus on as Christians on a daily basis. I'm not worried about loving God. I'm not worried about loving people. I'm not worried about building the kingdom of God and bringing people in. I'm just trying to figure out how to get my life to be perfect. And I spend so much time trying to work things together for good myself. Instead of allowing the one who can work together all those things for good. To do it the way he wants to do it. Again, let me, let me give you, I just want to give you a couple examples. If the disciples would have worked out things the way they wanted to work out, Jesus would have captured, they would have came in, swooped him up and ran away. And brought him back and kept him safe and said, you stay here until, until the heat dies down. And that would have been, and they would have walked away from that going, man, we worked that thing out good. Then we saved Jesus, boy. He was about to get it today. And they would have stopped salvation for every person in the world. Working it together for what they thought was good. The idea is to stay attached to your purpose. I'll tell you these two quick stories, and then I'll quit. There are two quick stories about the first two kings of Israel. The first king was King Saul. In Israel, if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 8, what did they do? They, they wanted a king. They wanted a king because they wanted to be like other nations. They looked at other nations. They were like, hey, that looks good. I think I want that. And so here's something that's amazing about God. He knows you don't need it, and yet he'll still give you the best that he can to still give it to you, to make sure like, you want a king. Okay, I'll give you a king. And so when they picked Saul, and this is very important for you to recognize this, when Saul was picked, Saul was the best choice for king at that moment. And if Saul would have been able to stay focused on his purpose and not on his insecurity, he would have been able to walk out the kingdom of God the way God wanted him to. But he was focused on his insecurity. How, why do we know he was insecure? It was the day, it's the day they're bringing him in. They're saying, hey, bring in the king. Here comes the king. Here he comes. And they're like, where's Saul? And they can't find him. He's hiding in the luggage. Now, this is crazy. I want you to know this. In the Bible, it says that Saul was head and shoulders taller than anybody else in Israel. He was also more handsome. So he was, I mean, if he was dark, he was tall, dark, and handsome, right? And so, therefore, that, that, that means that, that for a big guy to go hiding where nobody could, they had to ask God where he was. God, where is he? We can't find him. But he was so afraid, he was so caught up in the insecurity of the moment that even on the day that he was anointed to do the purpose of God, he was caught up in his insecurity. He was caught up in his weakness instead of focusing on his purpose. So then what was next? The next, the, 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 eventually what happens is that, that, that king, Saul, he's so caught up in his insecurity that what does God have to do? He has to find somebody that he can count on. 
And he has to actually take that purpose away from him and give it to somebody else. And he gave it to this next guy. And this next guy's name is David. And, and David, David just loved God, man. He just loved God a lot. But he, was per- he, was, he wasn't perfect. He messed up too, right? And we kind of talked about it earlier. You know, he kind of had, a, he, he had, a, he had a, a woman problem. He couldn't seem, and he kind of passed it on to his son, who got it way worse than he did. But the, the, the idea was that he couldn't have enough wives. And so can I show you something here? Because this is, this is really neat. Because, you know, David messed up and he messed up bad. He took, took a man's wife and then sent that man out on the front lines so that, he could, so that he could be killed. Man, that sounds way worse than anything that Saul. If you go down to the list of things that Saul did, that sounds way worse than anything that Saul did. But you know what David had? He had a repentant heart. Because he really did love the Lord. He wasn't perfect. But he really did love the Lord. And this is the thing, this is the wonderful thing. Because when you look at that situation, that situation doesn't look good. When you look at that situation, you know, that was, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a horrible way to start a relationship. And where did God find the next king of Israel? He found the next king of Israel out of that relationship between David and Bathsheba. If God has the ability to work things out for good, if there's anyone who can work anything out for good, it's God. If he can take a situation that seems to be a a horrible situation, a situation that we would stamp a red letter on it and say, oh man, these people are done forever. We can't believe that couple. No way. Come on, in our world, that's what we would do with that couple, right? We would throw them away and and never have anything else to do with them. Pray for them, right? Everybody just pray for them. God took that couple and found his next king in that couple. He can work all things together for good. Can I say this to you? (laughs) He doesn't need your help. He just needs you to focus on loving him and being called according to his purpose. Amen? So, Father, you, you, you see every person in here, God. God, you know every heart. You know every purpose. You know every plan of every person in this room. So God, God, we pray, Lord, that even at this moment, at this moment, whatever it is, whatever those things are, whatever, whatever those moments are that, 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 that make them feel like they, they, this situation is out of control, whatever the, whatever the thing is, whatever the, the situation is that allows them not to focus on what you want them to focus on, which is loving people and bringing them into your kingdom. God, let's give them the assurance tonight, the confidence tonight to know that you have that situation handled. That you have it taken care of. That there there is nothing, nothing that you can't do. Father, give them all the assurance, that blessed assurance, God. It simply says, you have it. And then God in that heart, while, while you're giving them the, the peace and the joy that comes from knowing that you have the situation, Father. 
Lord, give them the direction of how to talk to those people that they don't know how to talk to. Give them, show them, show them the lives. Show them the people that's in their path every day. Show them the people that you want them to come in contact with. Reactivate them to your purpose. Reactivate them to your love and to growing the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you. We thank you for being who you are in our lives, God. Most importantly, God, we thank you for being king and Lord over every situation, over every circumstance. And tonight we give it all to you. We give it all to you. Come on, there's somebody in here who's still holding on to it. Give it over to him. Give it over to him. Let it go. I mean, like I've invested so much into this, but God has invested so much more into you. And then if you give that over to God, even at this stage with everything that you've put into it, God's going to make it turn out way better than any of the investment that you put in. He will turn it around. So we give it to you, Father. And we thank you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God is good. God is good. Amen. So listen, I just want to leave you with this. Just leave you with this, that the, that the most important thing to God in your life is how many people you get a chance to talk to them about the gospel. That's what means more to God than anything for you. And guess what? There's somebody in your life. There's somebody at the gas station you go to, at the grocery store, someplace where you go where they need Jesus and God has sent you their way to change their lives forever. Amen? If you're in here and you need prayer for anything, we have these wonderful people who are down here who can pray for you. We ask for the men to come to the men and the ladies to come to the ladies. Were there any first-time guests? Are we good on that, Tad? We got one, one first-time guest that we already taken care of that person right there. Awesome, awesome. Is there anything else? Are we good? Awesome. Well, you guys have a great night and keep going with God, amen?